moves everything out of the way when Rob gets on the stage. <laughs> um, a question I get asked quite often um, in various places I've been in is, Rob, how, how do you put a sermon together? Like, wh- how, how, do you, how do you do it? And I'm like, well, it's just do it, right? Just, just put it together, you know? All I do is just, you know, open up the passage, I kind of reflect on it, wait for something to pop out, then maybe read something more, pray a bit, and it's there, done. And, um, you know, it's kind of like what Nike says, just, just do it, right? And, and everyone's just going, yeah, yeah, right, okay. Um, it, it's, it's very deceptive just putting it that way, isn't it? Um, you know, you start to think, well, well, how long are you reflecting on the passage? What if nothing pops out? Um, what are you reading? How long are you praying for? <laughs> All these things get lost because for me, it's almost second nature in a sense. I just kind of pick it up and do it. But there are actually some very strong guidelines I adhere to that have just become a part of who I am when I'm prepping for a sermon. Uh, A runner who runs a lot won't even think twice about the prep work they do or the food they eat. It's just automatic. It happens. And when you ask them, how do you run for so long? They'll just kind of shrug and say, oh, run. But there's actually a lot going on in the background that for those of us who have done it for a long time, just kind of take it for granted. Jesus, in the passages that we're facing this morning on prayer, is talking to a group of people who are so well-versed with prayer. It's such a part of who they are. They, as a nation, do it every day, corporately and individually. It wasn't just something that they waited till Sunday to do or the occasional time when they needed to. Every day, three times, they did it publicly, corporately, and individually. But it wasn't just restricted to the Jews. The whole kind of Mediterranean world at the time is steeped in prayer. Every kind of religion or cult depended on prayer. It was a core element of the function of society at the time. Prayer, meditation. So it wasn't anything different or weird or new. Not like for us today, You know, if you go to McDonald's, how many people do you see bow their heads before they munch that Big Mac? There's very few of us now that do that. And the moment you see someone that does that, you you automatically say, oh, Christian, got him, you know, oh, now I'm guilty, I didn't pray, I'm already halfway through my Big Mac, right? Um, Prayer is not a normal part or a normal function of our society. I was talking to a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, John, who's now in Cebu City in, in the Philippines. He and I worked in three different churches, two of which were planted churches. And he was telling me what, what kind of a culture, you know, he's involved in at the moment. He's now running a company that has, you know, uh, uh, that's based in Cebu City, but also in uh, San Jose, California. And unfortunately, he flew into Cebu City last year in March and has still not really gotten out of there. Um, but he loves it there. He's got quite a large workforce there. And, and so he was telling me, he's like, Rob, it's amazing here. Prayer is taken for granted. Like you will be in a shopping center or a supermarket, and then somebody on the loudspeaker will get up and just offer a prayer. And people will just acknowledge it as they're doing their shopping. It's like, oh, wow, dude, seriously? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of, that's what they do. And, and, and 
And I said, yeah, that would never happen here. Right? It's kind of our culture is not, there. you know, it's just like, what? But here Jesus is teaching or giving guidelines to people who, who should really know how to pray. He's stopping for a moment saying, hey, when you pray, do this. He's almost like saying, okay, look, I know that you think you've got prayer down pat, but let me give you some guidelines, which is really interesting because there's two extremes, isn't there? There's a society that prays way too much, and then there's a society that doesn't pray at all. When we pray too much, it becomes a ritual that we don't actually stop to acknowledge the words that we're saying, that we don't realize our outward uh, appearances or what we're really doing. And in a, a society that doesn't pray, well, it's not part of our DNA, so it's actually difficult. It's kind of like being pulled up to preach on a Sunday. You wouldn't know where to start. So Jesus is stopping and giving us guidelines. So he says, hey, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven. I, I, you know, I went to a Catholic school. A uh, good Italian boy in a Catholic school. So I've got this memorized, right? Um, whether you liked it or not, it was said quite often to the point where you had to repeat it, especially if you sinned a lot. Um, you knew it was bad when uh, the, the priest would give you two Our Fathers rather than just the one, because there was always this one and three Hail Marys, right? But I'll give you two Our Fathers, and you're like, oh my goodness. Um, but there it is. He gives us this prayer, and he just says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us, or give us our day, our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses for those who, for as we forgive those who have forgiven our debtors. Uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then we kind of add that little tagline at the end of it, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. Right? I was saying the Catholic version, sorry. Yeah, that's, that's how ingrained it is. It's interesting, when Jesus gives us guidelines, guess what we've done with the guidelines? Yes! <laughs> we've memorized them. We've been, made them into the very thing that Jesus is trying to tell these people back then not to do, to ritualize it. Because when you do that, you actually lose significance of what this means. What is he trying to say what are these guidelines you see jesus is not giving us the building of prayer he's giving us the scaffolding of prayer and it's our job to build a building around the scaffold does that make sense it's much like when i train people to preach which i haven't done a long time but i don't tell them how to preach i give them a scaffold and then it's up to them to build it because actually the really important thing about both preaching and praying and any interaction is actually that you're you. That, that, that God wants to hear your heart. He wants you to speak you language, not Rob language or other languages, just, just your own. Here, um, I do this, I've been doing it often in this series on the Sermon of the Mount, but I'm going back to the message version and I'm going to give you the Our Father in this version. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Our Father in heaven, show us who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. 
keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others and keep us safe from ourselves and the devil you are in charge you're ablaze in beauty yes 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 what happens with the our father is that it loses its meaning it becomes meaningless when we repeat it over and over and over again so that the words are just words our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our day, our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, for we give those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Amen. You know how many times I repeated that over and over and over and over and over again, to the point where it doesn't mean anything. And sometimes our prayers have become that. They're not really us. We've kind of lost how meaningful prayer is. Now, let, let me say, my dad wasn't the best dad on the planet. He was quite a difficult man. In fact, I've come to realize more about myself because of him and the way he parented me. One of the things he used to do was, well, the only way I ever got, his, I felt I got his love was when I succeeded at something. And when I didn't succeed, I got his wrath. And so my life is based around trying to get applause from people around me. Because I think if I do get applause, then I'm doing things right. If I don't get applause, oh my gosh, I must not be doing it right. Any of you felt like you've been raised in that way? But guess what? Even though my dad did that, now that he's not around, and he hasn't been around for a long time, I miss those little interactions we used to have. Sure, I'm angry at some stuff but I miss the little things. He'd come and pick me up from work, and it was a good 15-minute drive, and we would always talk silly stuff on the way home. Or he'd take me to cricket. All those things that at the time were meaningless, today they're meaningful. I'll tell you what, for those of you who are married, the moment you lose your spouse, the things that you felt meaningless, the little interactions, the little quirky hellos, the little conversations, you will miss them dearly because they are meaningful. Interacting with God in any way, shape, or form is meaningful. Meaningful. Little things. Good morning, Lord. Help me get through this day. You're God. I know you're God. Please show yourself to me today. Meaningful. Prayer is deeply meaningful. Your conversations with God are meaningful to Him. Thank you. Don't fall into that ritual space. I'm going to be really uh, supposed to be short this morning because I actually planned to be short, thinking it would be a shortened service. But yeah, tonight we are doing the prayer course, and the prayer course is going through the Our Father. They're breaking it down far more and far better. And, and if you really want it, please come along to that. And I know it's halfway through it, but don't worry. Come on through. I'll get you all the videos from before. I'll, I'll give you the links so you can catch up. So if you want something even deeper than what's going on this morning, come along tonight to that. So the first thing we need to understand is prayer is deeply meaningful. The moment you lose something, you realize how meaningful each interaction is. Prayer also begins with our Father. 
And this is something we need to always keep in mind. Jesus gives us these guidelines, and he says you need to start with God himself, first and foremost. Acknowledge him. When was the last time you stopped to acknowledge God? Any time you stopped to say, I say, hi, honey, that's me actually acknowledging my wife. It's stopping and saying, hey, hi, God, Father. I know the word Father for some of you may not be a positive connotation, but let God redeem that for you. He is what Father is meant to be. Believe me, my first years as a Christian, I was working as hard as I could to impress him in everything I tried to do. And I woke up one day and said, he just loves me for who I am. It begins with our Father just acknowledging who God is. Acknowledging his presence. Sometimes when it comes to prayer, I might not even say anything. I just want to empty my mind and just give it to him. Prayer is also about God in the here and now. Jesus, again, laying the framework from acknowledging who God is, but that God exists here and now. He's not over there somewhere. You're not waiting for him to come. You're not waiting for something to happen. He is here and now. Set the world right here today. Do what's best, not just in heaven, but also here on earth. God is not here waiting to zap us out of this world so that we can get away from the bad. God is working here and now. He's bringing heaven to earth. That was his intent all the way back in Eden, to bring heaven to earth, not to take us away from it, but to bring it here. And so our heart must be for what's going on around us, for God working in the here and now, not just tomorrow or the day after or next year or when he returns. It's right here, right now. God is deeply interested in what's happening right now in your world. And as Jesus continues to build the scaffolding up, and hopefully you start to build the walls and the, and the floors and all of that, he goes from saying it's deeply meaningful. It begins with acknowledging who God is. It's also about God being in the here and now, and it's also about need. Sometimes it is all about need, right? Keep us alive with three square meals. I love that. My meals aren't square, but um, they're slightly rounded. They're pasta, you know. You can get square pasta, I guess. Ravioli, there we go. I knew he was Italian. Uh, um, keep us alive with three ravioli meals. Um, it's, it's basic stuff. But we, I mean... I'm gonna, Jean, I'm going to use what you used at the elders the other night. She asked the question to the elders the other night, what does it mean to be a child? Oh, it's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you, well, what does it mean to be a child? Trusting, yep. Free? Well, you know what free is? Carefree, yeah, that's it, that's the word. Sorry? Innocent? What else? Dependent? Loving? We, we could say some other things like ignorant and, 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 and totally out of control sometimes. And <laughs> smelly. Uh. 
All these kids are looking at me going, no, I'm not smelly. <laughs> yeah, some adults are smelly too, don't worry. <laughs> but this is important because he asks us, if we call him our father, then we're his children. How does your child uh, you know, interact with you? When they're hungry, I'm hungry. When I need help, I need help. Who do they go to? When there's a need, they, they, they tend to turn to their parents. They tend to look up to those around them and say, I, I need help. Sure, you know, there's a lot going on around their lives, but this is what God is actually about. If He's truly our Father, He wants to hear your needs. What are your needs? And, and there's something deeper about just give us, you know, keep us alive with three square meals. It's not just us, is it? There's people around us as well, right? That we pray for. Not just to say, hey, I, I, I have needs. There are those around us with needs as well. And so we lift them up in prayer. Prayer is also founded in forgiveness. And this is actually the toughest part of the Our Father that just gets completely, because I didn't know what the word transgressors mean, it meant until I was like, I don't know, way past Christianity. But forgiveness is, is, is very cool. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. And Jesus then goes on, just to emphasize the point, right after the Our Father, for if you don't forgive those around you, the God in heaven's not going to forgive. Just in case you missed that part, let me reiterate this, how important this forgiveness is and how much do you struggle with this? How much do we wrestle with forgiveness? Gosh, that would be a long prayer, wouldn't it? But forgiveness, and I keep saying this, is actually deeply personal. It's actually a choice that you make. It's not an easy one, don't get me wrong. And I've spoken with several of you around, how do I wrestle with forgiveness? I, I struggle with that. But here Jesus says, prayer is actually founded in forgiveness. So when we come to repent before God, which, by the way, the Jews did publicly. When was the last time we confessed our sins publicly? Anyone want to start? Nervous laughter. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question, right? But it's true. I mean, it's, who's going to start? The, the Jews did this publicly. And in fact, they meted out the punishment publicly as well. <laughs> but prayer is founded in forgiveness. If we cannot forgive, then how are we able to accept forgiveness? Uh, I had a quote by N.T. Wright. Maybe I've got it in later on. Oh, maybe I didn't put it up there at all. Okay. N.T. Wright makes this really cool point about forgiveness he says you know this is the crux of what it means to be christian this is what sets us apart from everybody else this is what makes christianity different from any other place space uh belief system on the planet we forgive whether people deserve it or not we forgive why because we are forgiven it's an incredible concept thought belief way of life 
This is what sets us apart. And he says, if we can't do this, then we're no different to anyone else. How does the blood of Christ cover us? How does this whole cross thing work then? Jesus' sacrifice, what, what is it for then? Yeah, if his people can't forgive. Yeah, there's a whole other aspect to that of reconciliation and how do you get back with the people and connect. Oh, look, that's a whole other lengthy part that requires a lot more unpacking. But God will challenge your heart as you come to prayer. Hey, I've forgiven you and you've done some pretty nasty things even though you'd like to ignore them. How about you start forgiving as well? And lastly, prayer is about being real. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. I love how he ends on this kind of ominous note, right? Hey, all this prayer, you know, praying about needs, praying about this, praying about forgiveness, that's a tough one. Okay, let's get past that one. And then he ends on this kind of negative note. Keep us safe. This is the reality of what it means to be Christian in this world. Because for a lot of us, we like to blame the devil, but actually sometimes we just need to look in the mirror and look at ourselves. When other times, we do need to kind of look around and say who's actually what's around us. It is an unsafe world. We follow a crucified Christ, a Messiah who sacrificed himself. That's not... uh, not a pretty picture is it it was the one thing that turned me right off christianity we we were at this catholic church regina chaley in beverly hills sydney it doesn't mimic anything of the beverly hills in california believe me um and up on the hill there's regina chaley's big church with that brick that's so typical of sydney that uh, yellowish brick building and you walked in there and it was always soft And it seemed like no matter how many windows they had along, there was no light coming in. It was all dim. And as you walked in there, you know, you'd have school shoes on that made noise when you walked on tile and stuff. But when you walked in the church, for some reason, they all stopped the noise, just died, right? And at the front of the church, there's the altar and this huge, huge cross with this nailed man on it. When you're seven or eight years of age, man, that is just freaky as all get out. I remember my first communion. This is the body of Christ. Broken for you. Oh my God, it's broken too. But there is actually some deep symbolism there that we don't carry in our lives. That when Jesus calls us to pray, he says, you need to pray. Keep us safe. Because as a Christian, we follow a Lord who calls us to give up our lives. Calls us to be set apart. Calls us to forgive. And that's, this is not easy. There's nothing easy about being a Christian. First thing I tell new converts is, oh, welcome to the party. It's not much. There's some truth to helping people understand that this journey is a tough one. And we have a long line of martyrs from history who've proved to us how tough this journey can be. There are many martyrs today 
I prayed this prayer, people say. It's kind of easy here in New Zealand. We are saved, and many, many are saved. But we've got to be safe from ourselves and from the devil. This prayer is not something we're called to recite. It's not something that we sit here and ritualize. It is engaging with God in a deep and meaningful way, your way. In your way, in the Andy way, in the Grant way, in the Bron way, in the Katie way, in your way. He gives us this framework to build our prayers around. We can remember your Father. He is God. Pray for the here and now. Pray for what's going on around you. Pray for what you need. Lift up your needs and lift up the needs of others around you. You know, once you get these guidelines in place, it becomes like me preaching. You, you just do it. You don't think about it. It rolls off as you do it day in, day out. It becomes a part of you. And your familiarity with God will grow and you will grow in Him. That's the challenge God lays before us. So this week, your challenge is that. To go back to that Our Father and look at it differently. Don't read it as you've always read it. Don't repeat the words as you've always repeated it. Look at it and read it for yourselves in your language. How would you say this? How would you say, Lord, reveal who you are? How would you say, what are my needs? I'm not going to just pray for three square meals. I've had enough of three square meals in my life. I need to lay off them. What do I need to pray for? What are our needs? Pray for the needs. And then think about forgiveness. And then think about how you can pray for safety in your day-to-day. -day. From yourself and from the devil. Ask the music team to come up. Let us pray. Father God, <laughs> our Father, you, you are God. <laughs> Sorry, Lord, that we tend to take you for granted. Sorry, Lord, that sometimes we just get about our lives without maybe stopping to acknowledge you as often as we should. It's not because we don't love you, Lord, but unfortunately at times we don't show it. Father God, pray for all that's going on around us. I pray that your will be done here. I'm tired of seeing so much anxiety around me, myself as well, Lord, but so much anxiety around this COVID thing and, and, and the fears that people have that's been generated by this, the, the separation of people that has happened because of this. I pray also for our country where people are struggling are worried about maybe buying even a home or even living in one or being able to afford one or just all these little things, Lord, I just pray your will be done. Not just in heaven, but here on earth as well. And Father, for our own needs, for many of us who are struggling, whether it's our health, my knees driving me nuts and 
tired of it, Lord, and I know I need to lose weight, but hey, I do need help there as well. But for those who are struggling, Lord, maybe looking for work or worried about the things that they just can't seem to grab hold of. For those of us who are struggling with health, lift them up to you, Lord. For those who are feeling the pain of loss, or just the pain of all those dark things inside that are swirling around and it's like a storm that they can't seem to get out of. We pray for your light and your spirit that just holds them tight. And Father God, forgive us. Forgive us for our sin. Even those that we think no one's looking and no one knows about, the ones that we're ashamed of, we lay them at your feet, Lord. So, Pray that you help us to forgive, to be a people of forgiveness, Lord. People who forgive us for our struggles in forgiving. It's not easy, Lord. That's why we need your spirit. We need your help. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to forgive and keep us safe. Here and now, keep us safe, Lord, from ourselves. And from the evil one who has, for all his intentions, wanting to trip us up. I pray over our church, Lord. People gathered here today. For our community around us. In Jesus' name.